All right, turn in your Bibles to the text that Levi just read, the Gospel of John. And if you're new to us, then what we like to do is we like to work through books of the Bible, and we're working through, we just started, the Gospel of John. And last week, just a quick recap, we got introduced by John to this one that is known as the Word. And he, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and we found out indeed that the Word actually is God. And again, our mind went back to Genesis and all of creation. We found out that everything that was made through Him, the Word, that it was good. And out of everything that's been made, nothing has been made except for what the Word has made. We talked briefly about this Word as also the light that shines in the darkness, and we ended our time asking the question, as we're also the light of the world, do we reflect the light of the Word to the world? Are we doing that? So this week we're going to continue on, starting in verse 9 and talking more about the light. So if you will, follow along with me, and we'll work through this verse by verse. Starting in verse 9, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. So again, a reminder, this, this light, the Word, I love how John starts off verse 9, he says, the true light, not a false light, not some fake light, but is true light. And what's interesting about true light is it's the best thing for us, for our bodies, for animals, for plants, true light from the sun is ultimately what is the best thing, of course, in moderation for our bodies, but not false light. And this true light, what's interesting is, it's only in the true light can we actually see what things really are. And that's part of what Jesus does, is he is the true light, and he helps us see the world, to see our lives, to see our sin, to see everything the way it truly is. So John starts off and he says, the true light And notice he says, which gives light to everyone. And this is grace right here. Ultimately, this is saying the true light, which gives light, or you could put in here, gives life to everyone. Everybody that's ever lived needs to thank Jesus for the fact that they're living. If you're here today, you need to be thanking Jesus the fact that you have life. Now, there's people out there that will actually critique Jesus, speak negatively about Jesus, about his followers, about his bride, his church, say he's a liar, come up with bizarre things, like he was married, all these other conspiracies. They'll make fun of Jesus, make fun of the Word, and he's the one that they should be thanking for the fact that they even have life. That's what John's starting off with. He's saying, this light, the Word, gives life to everyone. So in one sense, this is the idea of common grace that everyone receives, that lives. Again, do we deserve life, congregation? Do we deserve life? We don't deserve life. In fact, the only thing we deserve is death and hell. Now that's a lot different than what the world is going to tell you. The world says you deserve it all. Anything your little heart desires, that's what you should have. That's what's constantly around. That's what's constantly being told to each one of you and to your children. You deserve so much more where the scriptures say, no, you deserve hell. Everything else is grace. 
You know how much easier it is when you realize that your entitlement, the only thing you're entitled to is hell? You're very thankful for everything else. Versus a problem that we have, certainly in our culture, but all around the world, that we're entitled to life, to good things, to everything else. And that's just not true. We're not entitled to that because of our sin and the sin of Adam and Eve. So, John starts us off and he says, The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Is there anything sadder than that? Think about that for a second. The one who created everything, all of us, the world, we don't even know him. That's terrible. I want to show you this. Hold it out for you. It's a painting. Really nice painting. Really nice. The artist isn't important. Doesn't matter. Got some people over here saying this is Miss Susan's. I don't see her here. It's a nice painting. Now what's what's interesting in our culture and every culture around the world, when somebody creates something, when somebody makes something, if somebody works hard and does something, and that person doesn't get credit, not that they were doing it to get the recognition, but if they don't get the recognition, every culture around the world goes, there's something wrong with that. They should get recognition. If you've created something, like this beautiful painting, you should get recognition for it because you've worked hard on it. It's beautiful. It's something. It's a gift that God's given you, and you've been able to cre- create it. So every culture says that that's not good when people make something, but they don't get it. But even worse, what if I said to you that this painting, I, I worked hard on it. I really worked hard on this. It, one of those things I do late at night. Heather goes to, the, to bed, the kids go to bed, and I just, I just work hard. You know, I go out in the shed in the back, and this is what I created. Now, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if I appreciate the laughing by some of the <laughs> Especially my wife in the back. She's like, yeah, right. You can't even cut a straight line with scissors. It's true, I can't. Now, that's just on a small scale. This is Miss Susan's. She's not feeling well today, so she's not with us. It's something beautiful that she's created. Again, a gift from God. Many people don't even know that she created it. And that's on a small scale. Imagine now what John's saying here. The world was made through the Word, through Jesus, yet the world doesn't even know Him. All this beauty, and the world just goes, eh. It just came somehow. There's like this bang that happened and it just is here how would how would susan feel about that there was no hard there was no work into this it was just just came into being absolutely not even worse than that though is like when i started to take credit for it how much worse is it that jesus creates everything he gets ridiculed he gets mocked he created all of us by his grace and then we as humans come up with ideas of other people who made it, other gods, other ways it was created. Is there anything sadder than that? The one who would love us enough to create us, we don't even acknowledge him. This is talked about in the early chapters of Romans, and it says ultimately that we, in our evil hearts, suppress the truth of God. And we exchange the truth for a lie. 
And that's happening all around you. What John's talking about, even though this is a couple thousand years old, it's true today. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Listen listen to verse 11. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. He's talking now about Jesus coming specifically to the people of Israel, to the Jewish people. It's like somebody coming in who's from Cedar Key, supposed to be born here, from here, comes in and people just go, we don't know you, get out of here, you're not one of us. But maybe it was this person was the first person ever to Cedar Key. The one who founded Cedar Key. And they came back and everyone said, get out of here, we don't know you. It's the same thing that's going on here. Jesus created everything and he comes to be born of the Jewish people, all these prophecies, all these promises about that he would come, the Messiah, he comes and they, we don't even accept you. We don't know you. We don't receive you. Do you see how it's wrong? It's wrong. And his own people did not receive him. Hold on to that word, receive. They did not receive him. Let's move on. But... Verse 12, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. (laughs) If this doesn't absolutely blow your mind. So his own people, they don't receive him, they reject him, and it's actually through that that the message goes out to everybody, which we benefit from this as Gentiles, as those who are not Jewish So then he says, but to all who did receive him and believe in his name. Now notice that John puts both those things there. The second part, believe in his name. This means to, this means in the fullness of to believe everything that's true about Jesus that we see from the scriptures. You have to believe the truth about Jesus. You can't just say, well, we, we follow Jesus. The religion of Islam says they follow Jesus. Mormons will say they follow Jesus. Others will say they follow Jesus, but they're following a different Jesus. Again, the Jesus of the Bible, the God of the Bible, not just the Jesus that you like. So a lot will say, yeah, we follow Jesus. He's a great prophet. He's a nice guy. He's a good teacher. John's being very clear. No, Jesus, the Jesus we're talking about is God. You go to some countries and you say Jesus is God, you'll lose your head. You will lose your head. That doesn't matter, though, if you're standing up for what's true. We want to follow Jesus the way he's described in the Scriptures. That's what it means to believe in his name. But think for a second, what does it mean to receive him? Think in your mind for a second. What does it mean to receive Jesus? The Jewish people didn't receive him. Not all of them, but the majority. They rejected him. Have you received him? If you don't know what it means to receive him, how do you know if you've received him? Because apparently it's by believing in him and receiving that you get to be a child of God. So I hope you've received him, but what does it mean? What does it actually mean? I think Romans helps us you confess with your mouth that Jesus is what? Lord. Lord. Do you know what Lord means? 
Lord means he's in charge. Period. He's the one in charge. You confess with your mouth Jesus is the Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's talking about that belief, believing that his death on the cross in your place for your sins, paid for your sins with his blood, and after three days he rose for your salvation. Believing in that, but believing is not enough. Just believing is not going to save you. Do you know why? Do you know what the demons do? You know what Satan does? They believe all the same things. In fact, they actually believe more about Jesus. They're more accurate with what they believe sometimes than what we are. They know who he is. The difference is, they're not following him as Lord. I hope that's not you. I hope that you're not in a place where you can, you can talk all about Jesus. You know all about Jesus. You even know the Bible. You even teach a class. You do all these things, but yet he's not Lord. Do you follow him? There's a study that we may do as a church, but I thought what the guy said was interesting, and I thought it was good. He said, Jesus doesn't call for fans, meaning people who just cheer him on. He calls for followers, those who will lay their lives down to gain something better. That's what it means to receive. Okay? So his people, they did not receive him, but for everyone who will believe the right things about Jesus, the true things about Jesus, and receive him and say, yes, Lord, I'm following you, look what it says. He gave them the right to become sons of God, children of God. Verse 13, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Why does he put all those things in there, I wonder? Why does John say, okay, you get the right to become a children of God, but why does he have to describe it more? Who were born not of blood, he mentions that, not of the flesh, the will of the flesh, the will of man, but of God. I think why he's doing that is in those three different statements, the blood, the flesh, and the will of man, he's teaching us something. I think the first thing he's saying is through the blood that just because you're human doesn't mean you're a child of God. Okay? So if you get a little card from Hallmark, you go there and it says, oh, we're all children of God. No, you're not. You're not. You're a creation of God. That's true. But everyone is not a child of God. The second where he's talking about the will of the flesh, perhaps, I don't know exactly, but perhaps he's talking about according to the flesh, just because you're Jewish, perhaps, just because you're from the right family, the right ethnic group, doesn't mean you're saved. That doesn't save you. Just because you're an American will not save you. And then this last one, which we all struggle with, I think. Nor the will of the flesh. I'm sorry, we just did the first. Nor the will of man. I think the will of man, what it's talking about there, is our desire to work and do good. To do good works in such a way that we can be saved. So it doesn't matter that you're human. It doesn't matter if you belong to the right ethnic group. And it doesn't matter the works that you do. You will not be saved. You will not be a child of God on those, with those things. You will not. I think what John's showing is, how does it end? It's not by the will of those things, but of God. It's truly a gift from God is how you're saved. God has to do the work. You need a new heart. You got, I love you, but you guys just aren't just sick and need a doctor. You're dead, and you need to be brought back to life. Do you see the difference? Sick means, ah, I'm doing some things on my own still. I just need a little help to get me over the hump. 
God's not here for that. Jesus didn't come for that. He came because you're dead and you need to be made alive in Christ. That's what he's saying. All right, finishing up. Verse 14. This will be our last verse for today. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the, of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This, if this doesn't blow your mind, I think you need to read over it a few times. This is remarkable. On the back of your bulletin things here, I have a few places with blanks you can write in there if you want to. The first one there, it said, the Word, as we learned last week, the Word is, is who? What, who is the Word? What is the Word? Jesus. Good. The Word is God first. The Word became what? Flesh. Jesus is the Word, so thus Jesus is God. I'm going to teach you a, a bigger word today. Some of you may have heard of it, but this verse 14 is specifically talking about something called the incarnation. Say that, please. Incarnation. Incarnation. Okay, so that's coming from the Latin there, and it's meaning to become flesh. Carnivore. You know the word carnivore? That's where we get that from. Meat-eating. Flesh. What this verse is saying in some incredible mystery, that the Word, which we've already said, the Word is, was with God, the Word was, is God, this Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is actually teaching that God, in His love, in His mercy, in His grace, has decided to come on a rescue mission. And the way He, becomes, the way he comes on this rescue mission is by taking on flesh, becoming human. So some will say, is he, so is Jesus God or is he man or what is he? The scriptures continually teach that he is fully God and fully man. Others will say it like this, he's truly God and truly man. That's the mystery that's going on right here. And it's so important that Jesus would become human because we need a human sacrifice. You guys ever heard of a sacrifice, killing an animal? cutting its throat, something like that, blood flows. If you go around the world, you'll see this happen all the time. The idea is to appease the the spirits, to appease God, perhaps. The problem is we're human, and we're the ones who've sinned. So a cow isn't going to do it. A bull isn't going to do it. A lamb is not going to do it. It has to be a human. The only way we can have this true mediator, it needs to be a human. But not just any human. It has to be the perfect human. But all humans are flawed, except one, the God-man, Jesus. He dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father. And this is where I want to end, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. I need you to let that sink in for a second. Let me give you an example. You ever heard the phrase, ah, he's made of money? You ever heard that? Or she's made of money, he's made of money? What's that ultimately mean? Somebody help me out. What's that mean if somebody says, ah, he's made of money? More money knows what to do with, right? You go out with that person, you guys, you know, let's say you're getting some food. The bill comes to $25. Hey, he's made of money. He'll cover that. Paid. You go to the store, you buy a nice painting. I don't have any money on me. That's okay. He's made of money. He'll pay it. Paid. So much money, right? Cover anything. It doesn't matter. He can waste it if he wants to. So much money. 
take that, remove the money, put in grace, in truth. That's Jesus. Check this out. No matter what sin you've ever committed in your life, doesn't matter. In your mind right now, you're thinking, oh, that's sin that nobody knows about. Yeah, even that one, there's enough grace for it. He covers it. What about the sin that I'm going to commit today? Probably when I leave here and somebody cuts me off on the way to Gainesville. Truthfully, if you repent, there's enough grace for that. What about the sin that you're going to commit tomorrow or a week from now or a year from now or whenever? There's enough grace for that. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what's happened to you. Jesus is full of grace and truth. It doesn't matter what you doubt. It doesn't matter what the world says. If you go to Jesus, he's so full of grace and truth that he can always cover it every single time. And that's why he's the only one that we want as our mediator. And he's the only one who can be our mediator. Let's pray together. God of all grace and truth, we are thankful for the fact that you are a loving God. Jesus, we're thankful that you're our God. We're thankful that you are full of grace and truth, and no matter what we've done, no matter how many times we've done it, no matter what's been done to us, Lord, even though it feels like the sin that we have has stained our souls at times, Lord, we're thankful that there's grace for that. No matter how messed up our marriage may be, our relationships with our parents, with our friends, with cousins, it doesn't doesn't matter, Lord. There's enough grace and truth for that. The problem is, Lord, we don't come to you as we should. I pray for my brothers and sisters right now. I pray for those who may not yet be a brother or sister because they're not yet a child of God because they have not yet believed in you. I pray, Lord, that today would be that day that they would cry out for grace and truth, believing in the gospel, believing in the good news, that even though we've been dead, you've made us alive in Christ. So, Lord, as we... Have this time of response, I pray. If anyone has not come to know you, Lord, I pray that they would cry out today. Today would be the day of salvation for them. And Lord, for those who already do believe, have believed in you, Lord, I pray that they would realize that there's enough grace and truth for anything. You would show us your grace and truth. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.